Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday, Father. Better. Take two. Yeah. Jorge blew my ears out when he in the first take when he said good morning. I'm like, and I may or may let let off uh, a not safe for pod for 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 this podcast for family word. friendly podcast. Like, Dude, bring it down a notch. It's Monday. We're not supposed to be so cheerful. No, I'm kidding. We are cheerful. I'm cheerful. I'm. Che- I love. Uh, I love this. No, I love doing this. This is. Highlight of my Monday morning, other than mass, obviously. So what's up? How much? How was your weekend? It was. Um, you were where? Tallahassee. Why? Because they. Um, so I, I mean, it's well known. My wife works for Amazon. We've only mentioned it six hundred times on this podcast. They sponsored the Cleaver and Cork event, which is basically the Tallahassee Community College version of ah. the Sobe Food and Wine Festival. I had lunch with a FSU graduate yesterday, uh, and she had never heard of it. I'm just saying. Well, it was it was phenomenal. Good. The food was good. The company wine was, was good. obviously good. The company was extraordinary. But the town? Eh. <laughs> I'll pass. We love Miami. God yeah. bless Miami. It's amazing. But no, it was fun. It was fun. We had a good time, and uh, we made it back Saturday night, so Sunday I was able to... To come to mass and what I, and I, I didn't have st- to invoke the the uh, travelers dispensation, which yeah, which we love to use as a get out here as a get out of jail free card. <laughs> now, can you? Uh, I found this very story. I want to hear this story very amusing, and I want to hear your version. Father Andrew didn't tell me this yesterday, but told me this story in in my office this morning that your son did something. We always does something during mass, but yesterday he was quite entertaining during the offertory. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so the kids' offertory, we've we've trained him young, so he they, they look forward to it, right? To, to going up. So my uh, my sister gave him a little a dollar bill because I had nothing on me. So he he walked up the side aisle. We got to the choir, and at that point, he decided to hold the dollar way above his head. <laughs> So that everyone could see that he's bringing his dollar. Yeah. And he walked across the entire front <laughs> pew holding a dollar and in like slow motion. <laughs> and he, he gets to the <laughs> he gets to the gate. He gets to the basket. You know the, the three point shooters basketball, you, you throw you shoot the three, leave the hand up. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So he, he takes the dollar without dropping his hand, drops the dollar bill, <laughs> leaves his hand up. Yeah, I made that. Yeah, turns around and then comes sprinting back to me. He's in March Madness form. He's ready for March Madness. I'm, I'm just saying, he's ready. He, he must. So I'm laughing. My parents are in the front row. They're laughing. The Kairos are in the front row. They're laughing. And you don't watch much basketball at your house, so he's, no. he couldn't have picked that up. No. <laughs> but that's MJ. You know, every every Sunday's a new adventure with him going up so, to yeah. the children's offertory. Two weeks ago. I hear a curdling sound of a kid screaming, which is normal for 1030 Mass. There are a lot of kids in that Mass. Not knowing at all. I'm thinking it's a baby. And then it's children's offertory. And all of a sudden I see your daughter, God bless her, you know, taking him by the hand saying, it's okay, Papa, it's okay. Yes, dragging it's, him. You know, <laughs> and he's like going, rah, rah, rah. And then he looks at, he passes by my seat and I'm sitting there in the seat in my chair looking at him. He looks at me and he gets even angier. Ah! Like, let's be, let's it's direct just, more it's his, di- it's his dinosaur thing. Okay. And then <laughs> he has the envelope in his hand. You had given the envelope. He gets to the basket. Ah! Ah! And he literally, like yesterday, he did, you know, the, the, the three-point yeah. thing. No, he's just slammed slam dunked it. And like, bam. <laughs> like, and he looks at God. He goes, this is what I think of your collection. Bam. You know, so but we love him. Oh. <laughs> So much fun. We have no choice. So much fun. <laughs> so those are the, the, this week's episode of Adventures in the Life of MJ. 
Sponsored by, <laughs> insert sponsor here. If you want to sponsor, please let us know. Anyhow, sponsored let's, by... Let's see what he's got for us uh, this, this oh, coming week. Oh, my goodness. Always something. Um, so yesterday, Transfiguration. We went to different masses. <laughs> I had a very hectic weekend. So I had the children's mass on, on at 9 a.m. And you're only getting started. Right. I know. It's going to be a fun week. We have first confessions this week. We have heat game. We have a parent gala. We have an Emmaus retreat. Uh, just so many, so many things. Anyway. And then the time changes on Sunday. And then the time we lose an hour of sleep on Sunday. <laughs> hey, Jay. But anyway, so I had the I had children's mass both at nine and at twelve thirty. I brought the children up at twelve thirty at twelve thirty, which was a lot of fun yeah. in Spanish. Uh, there was a Brazilian kid that was trying to speak Spanish, which was hilarious. But it, but I understood what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, but it was wonderful. So not that my homily was light. It was just that it was directed to children. But you said. Father Andrew had, an, we were talking about this off air. Uh, Father Andrew had a very, you went to Father Andrew's Mass, that he had an interesting take on, yeah, the, on the, the transfiguration. I mean, there was a lot in the homily, but the, the one line that I really held on to and took from it was to appreciate those moments of God's glory in our life. Because they're, they're not often, they're fleeting. And, you know, and I was just thinking as I, as I kind of meditated on that, you know, we're, we're getting into the swing of baseball season now. I'm a big baseball fan. Baseball is a, is a game of failure, right? If you, you, if you succeed 25% of the time, you're, you're pretty good. Especially if you're a fan of the market. Oh, yes, for sure. You know, if, if you fail 70% of the time, you know, you're an all-star. If you fail, you know, 65% of the time, you're, you're in the Hall of Fame. In the Hall of Fame, yep. right? So it's, it's a game of failure. And I was thinking back when I played in elementary school, Little League, whatever, mm-hmm. I could have, I could have gone three for four with a strikeout, and I would always remember, oh, the strikeout. Yeah, you know, I I had I could have had three hits an RBI, whatever, you know, all these wonderful things. But if I struck out once, I would remember that strikeout. You know, and that's so often how we go through life. You know, what was the line? Cherish the, the you know just just value those moments yeah. of God's glory when yeah. when God's glory is palpable, is, is revealed to you. So I have something analogous to that. Uh, I could have my entire congregation come out after I finished Mass and say, Father, that was a wonderful homily. Yeah. But that one person who took issue with the homily, because always yeah. one person, and that's fine, that's why I preach. I want to needle somebody. Yeah. I do that intentionally. But that one person who took offense to something I said or misconstrued something yeah. I said or didn't like what I said, that's... Yeah, it just starts, yeah, it sticks with just you. Just like that one strike yeah. So yeah, I, I feel you. Uh, it's interesting because there's always second Sunday of Lent. We're in penance. We're in, in this mode of self-denial. And then all of a sudden, the church hits us with the transfiguration of our Lord, which we celebrate on August 6th. Uh, Jesus is transfigured. You know, obviously, it's the glory that is to come. Mm-hmm. We hear it. Uh, I'll say, I'll, I'm going to read it in a second. We hear it in the, um, in the preface of the Mass of, of, what, um, of what actually, of why it happens and why we meditate upon that. Uh, during the Lenten season, because it's so important. And and, and to, to underscore Father Andrew's point, you know, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain and is revealed to them. And this is after, you know, this is Gospel of Matthew, after Peter confesses that he is, you know, the Messiah, the Lord, you know, the Son of the living God. So, you know, what Peter said now comes true. Mm-hmm. And... We we were presented this during during the Lenten season, and I talk, I, I mentioned this briefly in in the in the daily meditation that was that was uh, dropped that dropped yesterday on Sunday morning. And if you're listening to it, by the way, thank you. We have a lot of people listening to it and listening to it very early. It drops at five a.m. Mm-hmm. So God bless you that are listening to it before I wake up. Um, but no, it's 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 been it's been fun doing those, and we'll continue to do those on uh, posted at five a.m. Uh, if you have withdrawals because you're waiting, you know, you're hearing this at noon <laughs> and you didn't get it at five, we apologize. But Mondays are norm- normal. Anyhow, so during during Lent, you know, we were presented with this transfiguration as, as like, say, a glimpse of what's to come, of what we're working towards, mm-hmm. of what our Lord wants for us to share in his glory, to be transfigured also like he was transfigured. And so all of these things... You know, we we uh, you know we we kind of take it for granted because we you know we hear this, we know it's coming, and then 
we just we just move on to the next thing. The the preface said in terms of you know and, I, and I'm gonna do a series of of episodes you know in the, in the in the next week or two about the prefaces that we hear during that. When I say preface, it's it's what we hear immediately. The priest prays immediately before the consecration after we say the Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, etc. He said, for for after he had told the disciples of his coming death, which like I said he did. And Peter confessed, you are the Son of the living God. On the holy mountain, he manifested to them his glory to show even by the testimony of the law and the prophets that the passion leads to the glory of the resurrection. So what, what's going on? Just in that one little paragraph, so much going on in the liturgy. So he leads them to the holy mountain. He leads Peter, James, and John up to Mount Tabor. Mass, manifests them his glory, transfigured before them face became dazzling as his clothes became white as snow, which leads to me to say, how do they know what snow looks like? They're in the <laughs> desert. But that's another story. Um, and then to show, even by his, the testimony of the law and the prophets, Moses is there representing the law. Mm-hmm. Elijah is there representing the prophets. That the passion leads to the resurrection. And that's, see, that's that last phrase. That the passion leads to the resurrection. That's our goal. That's what, that's what we're going through uh, Lent. That's why we're enduring Lent for some of us who are doing things that you know are, are not. I wouldn't say severe, but are quite bold, challenging. We, you know, sometimes we want to challenge ourselves and challenge our spiritual lives. Tell me about it. There's <laughs> a man who has no coffee in front of him. Okay, but no, but there are people that are doing some hardcore oh, yeah, things, sure. and, and God bless them. And 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 it's to see. Okay, can I do this? It's like it's kind of like you know working out. And say, you know, I'm I'm going to challenge myself to run a little harder, or jump a little, jump a little faster, or, you know, jump a little higher, or or challenge myself more on the weights, or on the treadmill, or on the bike, or whatever it is. You know, same thing with our spiritual life. Can I do this? You know, I had someone uh, mention to me this morning, Father, I I don't want to say what I don't want to say what it is. I eradicated. It's nothing sinful. I eradicated this from my life. I didn't think I could do it. But my goodness, my life has been so peaceful without it. And I'm like, wow, okay, cool. And and you realize there's so many things in our lives that we go through that we don't need. But but when you're doing something hardcore, the passion. Okay. I, I'm thinking like, for example, something, let me, let me go a little Ignatian on you because I'm going to be in blood most of the day tomorrow. Uh, in the spiritual exercise, say Ignatius, you go through the passion. You go through the life of Jesus, and it's thirty days of silence. Now I've never done the thirty days. I've done at most five days of silence. Okay, even that's hard. But thirty days disconnected from the world. Right now, that sounds glorious, doesn't it? You know. So, but you realize that even when you're going and you're and you're, and you're going through that suffering with Jesus, you know what's to come. That eventually you're going to meditate upon the resurrection. Eventually you're going to emerge. From, this is totally different. I mentioned this the other day. Totally different from the darkness retreat that Aaron Rodgers did. Okay, <laughs> totally different. But you emerge from that cave, so to speak. You emerge from that retreat, and you're a different person. And that's what we strive to be during Lent. That we we come out of the other side of the passion. We come out of the other side of the desert. You know, Jesus endured the desert for forty days, but on the other end, ministered by the angels after being tempted by Satan. We talked about it last week. So. The transfiguration is, you know, a glimpse of what is to come and what Jesus wants us to experience. He wants us to, he wants to lead us through his passion, lead us to the glory of the resurrection. It's always surprised me the, how resistant we are to, to really latching onto that, you know, to really believing that, to really allowing that to take hold in our life. And I think so often of, these disciples who were told directly by Jesus time and time again, this is what's going to happen, like, methodically, like, exactly, you know, I'm going to go to Three Jerusalem, times. I'm going to die, I'm going to rise on the third day. He was telling them what's going to happen, and they still said, no, 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 no. But here we are, 2,000 years later, you know, knowing full well what happens on Easter Sunday. You know, so, so we're able to enter into the Passion already knowing you know, for a fact, not just not just something that Jesus has told us, but something that has actually happened. You know, something that is real. 
you know, we, we're able to go into that passion on Good Friday, knowing that three days later we're going to gather again and, and celebrate Easter Sunday. You know, and yet we still have so much resistance. And yet, I mean, we're still so unwilling to, you know, to leave those dependencies behind, you know, to really turn over our lives to Jesus. You know, and, and that's why that line from yesterday that Father Andrew uh, shared with us, you know, to, to really value those moments where God's glory is, is made manifest. You know, it's, it's so important because those are those little reminders you know, that, that we need because we're fallen, we're broken, we're sinful, and yet God continues you know, 2,000 years later to say, here I am. You know, here I am, and Good Friday is not the last word. There is an Easter Sunday. There is a resurrection. You know, passion will never have the final say. Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty, you know, put it in my hands, and I've got you. You know, and and yet we are still so hesitant, and and we're still so timid. And, and the, I, I once picked up a book, and said, you know, one of the greatest sins is lukewarmness. Hmm. You know, where where we're neither in nor out. You know, and it's it's almost better to be completely out against it than to be, you know, with one foot in the door. You know, to say, no, I don't believe in this at all, versus saying, you know, yes, I believe this to be true, but, you know, I'm going to keep one foot out here so I can continue enjoying what I enjoy and, and not have to really, you know, make the sacrifice, you know. So so it's that lukewarmness where, no, either be hot or be cold. You know, because the, the biggest offense we can give to God is to say, yeah, you know, I... I I love you and I need you uh, when I need you, but when I don't, I'm just going to go and, and live my own, you know, do my own thing. And then when I when I really screw up, I'll come back, you know, and it's that constant going back and forth. So, no, be hot or be cold. You know, now, yes, there is a, a natural fluctuation as we live our lives. You know, we are going to fall, we are going to, but are you living your life with passion? You know, with with love, with devotion, you know, where where we're trying to avoid sin, not just happen to fall into it, you know, and that's that, that's that hesitation that so often sticks out to me, you know, where we know what the end is, we know what's coming, we know what's going to happen, we know where we're heading, not just because it's Jesus again, not just because Jesus told us, but because we have two thousand years of tradition showing it to us, you know, with real life people who have lived the same way that we have enjoying the glory of heaven now you know so so that transfiguration it's kind of a it's the call to go all in you know to to leave that lukewarmness behind to to live with that real passion and to enter into that passion you know because it's only through that passion it's only through that cross that we get to that final destination and it's to echo the words of peter in yesterday's gospel it is good that we are here yep. Now, Peter didn't know what he was talking about. He just said, yeah. like, oh, this feels good. Yeah. Didn't know what was going on. Didn't really understand until, you know, what I concentrated the most on yesterday was the last line. You know, not the last line of the gospel, the last line that they heard was, the voice of the Father, this is my beloved yeah. son whom I am mm-hmm. well. Please listen to him. Uh, but the disciples didn't quite grasp. And not only that, they couldn't stay there. They had to go down the mountain. You know, to be able to continue walking with Jesus to truly comprehend not only what they just witnessed, but the passion that Jesus foretells. So, yeah, we want to bask in those moments of glory and and treasure them. You treasure uh, moments, especially in the spiritual life, moments that that we have with our Lord, let's say at Mass or the Blessed mm-hmm. Sacrament on retreat, we treasure those moments, and we say it's good that we're here. But then, in Mass, we send you forth. Go in peace. You know, you say, go in peace, love, and serve the Lord. Uh, to go and, and, you know, to come down from the mountain and to share that good news. Uh, I was at a Mass with Archbishop Wednesday on Saturday night. It was a vigil Mass for, you know, for yesterday. Uh, so he, he preached in the Transfiguration. And he was talking about, you know, you have to you know, come down the mountain. Yeah. But... You know, but when, in, when to just to finish, you know, wrap up that point on on cherishing those moments of glory. It's like, you know, when you're with your kids and 
And so many times you sent me pictures, you know, you're just sitting in your backyard with you and your wife and you're just looking at your kids play. And you glory in that. Yep. You know, this is what life's all about. And like, you, we did this. This is our house. This is our marriage. This is our family. And those are little moments. Yep. I have friends that like to reference, you know, los momenticos, those little moments mm. in your life. You know, and uh, you, you, in those of you who are listening from St. Augustine, Michelle Ducker uses that a lot because she's part of that family right. that, meant, that coined that term. Uh, she married into that family. You know, and they, and they treasure those moments. And, and usually those moments were born out of tragedy because they lost their patriarch and, and, and have had moments of loss through their lives. And so that's why they say we have to treasure those moments of glory. See, the, and, the, and, the, and the disciples encounter those moments of tragedy when they lose the Lord, when he's arrested, when he's crucified. Later on, when they're, they suffer because of his name, when they're tortured and then ultimately martyred, except for St. John. That's why they have to treasure every moment they have with the Lord. That's why we need to treasure every moment we have with the Lord. Every, mo every treasure, treasure every moment we have with our families. You know, Saturday night we, we had a party, uh, and my sister was there, my parents were there. I remember the last time we had a party and danced, and, and it was just, and, and towards the end, you know, you know, I'm dancing with my sister, my parents are dancing maybe like 10 feet away from us, yeah. and all of a sudden the four of us, you know, gathered together, and we started, like, dancing together, yeah. you know, and, and it was a little cheesy, <laughs> but it was like, for me, it was to treasure, you know, look at us, you know, we're having fun. We're treasuring them. And because you look back on it years from now, oh, remember that time that we, we danced together? I mean, I should have appreciated that. But no, in that moment, I appreciated what we were what we were doing and, and what we were experiencing. In, um, in the, the Office is a great TV show, and there's a lot of great lines. And there's a lot of great lines in in the final episode. And one of the best lines was delivered by one of the characters who have a love-hate relationship with, which is from Andy Bernard. And he was reflecting back on his time, you know, when he worked there. And he said, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you're actually, before you've actually left them. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. I mean, that's basically learning to live in the moment. Learn to treasure the moment. See, Peter realized that. In the moment, yes, it is good that we are here. Even though he didn't quite totally understand what was going on, you know, wow, Jesus is transfigured. And here's another question. He's like, you know, how do they know it was snow? How do they know it was Moses and Elijah? There's no pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Iconography was forbidden by Jewish law. That's just rumblings that run through Father Man, he said. I mean, unless they said, unless she said, hey, this is Moses, and I'd like to introduce you to Elijah. <laughs> you know, unless it came with a name, you know, hi, hello, my name is Moses. Uh, but, but they knew it was him. It was, it was, it was, you know, evident to them. But they treasured that. And I, and I, and the reason it appears in the gospel is because it was continued to be treasured. Because he warned them as they went down the mountain not to share this with anyone, but after, until after the resurrection. Right. You know, they still didn't get that. He said it three times. He was going to die, and he was going to rise again. Mm -hmm. They kept glossing over that rise again. Why? Because it never happened before in human history. And so now, after the resurrection, you know, I'm sure I could see the disciples fishing, and Peter going, "Hey, wait! I do I have a story to tell you? Remember that time we went up the mountain with <laughs> Peter, with Jesus, and we were up there for a while, and it was kind of, you know, it's kind of cloudy and and all that. Well, here's what happened, and we're like, wow. And Matthew's like, I was there. Let me write this down. I'm thinking of Matthew and the Chosen, you know, writing everything <laughs> down. So we have to treasure those moments, and 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 I and I agree with Father Andrew. It's like we take those moments for granted. Why? Because we live. You know, yesterday I'm walking out of mass, and somebody's recording with their phone the 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 recessional as we walk out of church. I'm like, why? We're so conditioned. Oh wow, this is something really cool. Let me record it, and we don't treasure. Or live the moment. You know, one of my favorite spiritual books is, uh, it goes by two titles. Uh, we've talked about it here before. Uh, Abandonment to Divine Providence is the, the original title. But it's been retitled The Sacrament of the Present Moment. And that's, that's always been a powerful, um, not just a powerful, it's a powerful book in itself, but just that phrase, the sacrament of the present moment, to really sacramentalize the moment that you're, every moment that you're living in. 
Because to sacramentalize, it means to set it apart, you know, to, to make it, essentially to make it holy, you know, to, to allow God to enter into that moment and transfigure it. You know, so it could be, you know, like you've referenced, you know, sitting in the backyard with your family, watching your kids play, playing a game with your kids. You know, the other day I was just throwing a ball with them, and it was this, it was the silliest thing, but they were having the time of their life. And to just be able to enter into that moment, and I wasn't taking a photo of it. I wasn't filming it. I was just literally having fun with them, you know, allowing it to, you know, as, as Mary did so often, you know, ponder that moment in my heart you know, and allow that to really go deep into my heart. And it's a moment that I'll remember forever, you know, just because we were out there having a good time. But every single moment, you know, it could be a something at work. It could be your morning drive. It could be sitting in the adoration chapel, which is easy to sacramentalize. You know, having a family meal together at the table. You know, we at the I miss those at the food and wine festival this weekend. Um, Iron Chef uh, Michael Simon was the the big celebrity chef, and and as part of sponsorship, we got to go to a lunch with him, and he was saying that so much of his passion for what he does as as a chef came from his mom and his and his family coming together and sitting at the table. Oh, yes. And just what, what that moment every single day meant, because it was at the table that they fought. It was at the table that they made up. It was at the table that they shared stories of the day, that, you know, that they broke news to each other. Everything happened at the table. And that became almost like it does for, for us. You know, it became a holy place for him and for his family. And that's what we do every Sunday when we gather. You know, we we bring everything from the week, and we allow God to enter into that. You know, so so the challenge is really moving it from one hour on Sundays to to allowing that same sacramentalization, you know, to take place every single place that we are. And it's not easy. No, nope. it's not easy. But but allow God to really take part in our life. It, it's funny you mentioned that about the table because for us. And I, my father was very firm on this and vocalized this many a times. The table is sacred. Yep. That is there, as the, you know, as that celebrity chef mentioned to you, uh, is there that really, it, it, not only that you become family, you already are family, but I mean, it's just that your family comes to life. Mm -hmm. That you do argue, I mean, we had major, you know, fights at the table. You know, even something as small as elbows on the table, yeah. okay? To you're, you're using a fork run because my mother, you know, took a Connecticut class when she was young and tried to pass it on, you know, table etiquette and tried to pass it on to us and, you know, mixed results after. You know, I have to, I have to say, <laughs> okay. But I mean, that's not her fault. That's that's on me. Uh, but there were so many times that we shared great moments. That we shared great laughs at the table, and 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 we still. Treasure that, and that's probably what what were that that moment was born from Saturday night that we were you know just glad the four of us, mm -hmm. you know because you know I'm so busy, my sister's so busy with her family, and my parents you know they're busy with the, our busyness in terms of taking care of my nephews and and all that, and to be just the four of us together, obviously missing our brother, but my brother, but. Just the four of us together and, and, and enjoying, and, and, and the song was Mark Anthony, Vivi la, Vivi la Vida, you know, which is, you know, just a song just about enjoying life, to, to, to you know, to just to summarize it. Uh, you have to treasure that. But it, at where was it? At the table. And now, so we, we come down the mountain, and, oh, wow, it's still Lent. <laughs> you know? Yep. But thanks be to God. Because there's so much more that we need to put into it. There's so much more, and I wasn't gonna save this for for a later episode this week, but I'll, I'm gonna say it right now. You know, there 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 are things that obviously we 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 get to Ash Wednesday and say, okay, I'm gonna sacrifice this. Perfect. And you may have been successful or unsuccessful. Okay, whatever. I keep at it. But the other day, I was—I I realized it's something I'd never done before. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday of last week, weekend of Lent. I was like, you know what? I really should have eliminated this or given this up during Lent. 
And I'm like, what's to say I can't? Yeah. And so I did. So if, if there's something that comes to you in prayer that you think you should give up for the rest of Lent or do for the rest of Lent, there's nothing that says you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, oh, but I, I already missed a week. So what? Do it. I yep. mean, I did it. It's never too late. Exactly. So there's still plenty. There's still what four week, four four or five weeks four, left in Lent. Yep. You know, just do it. You know, and even the sacrifices. Like sometimes, you know, oh my goodness, you know, one week without this, you know, we go crazy. But now five weeks still. So so do it. You know, yeah, we come down from Mount Tabor. We come down from experiencing the glory of God. But when we go back down into the valley. We right. go back into the into the in in, in into, and face life. Yep. But looking forward to the resurrection. Well, I have to share this as a runner because this is important. Because so much of the spiritual life is discipline. That's why we're called disciples. There is a discipline to this. And our our end goal, we don't reach it overnight. You know, we're going to spend the rest of our life working on what we're trying to get to, which is heaven. You know, but but in the discipline, in the practice of it, you know, we're going to get better and we hope we're going to get better and better and better and we're able to go into it deeper and deeper so yes we're a week and a half into length and the lord continues to reveal things to us and to challenge us you know so if if our thing was give up xyz you know and we've done that for a week and now like you said we may be moved to do something more well yeah if, if i'm training for a marathon i can't just run three miles every day for the entire six weeks and expect at the end of the day to get to 26 miles. You know, so, so in that discipline, in the practice of the faith, you know, there is going to be a deepening, you know, so if you've, you know, if you've gone through the week and a half and you've said, yeah, I, I thought that was going to be a lot harder than it was. And it's not, you know, and you have that stirring in your heart, you know, to, to do something else or to change it entirely, then yeah, go for it because that's a sign of spiritual maturity. That's a sign that, oh hey, you know, maybe my attachment to this thing wasn't as as intense as I thought it would be, and maybe now the Lord is calling me to do something else. You know, that's going to challenge me even more. So yeah, move from three miles to to five miles, and then from five miles to seven miles. You know, and before you know it, you're running a half marathon, and you're not breaking a sweat. You know, the the very first time I ran, and you've. For those who've been to my office, you've seen my wall of of craziness over there. Wall of metals. The very first time I ran, uh, it was less than a mile, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> it was my first cross country practice as a freshman in high school, and, and it was literally just run from here to there. It was a mile long, and I thought I was going to I was going to die, and I was about ready to give it up, you know. But but through practice, through the discipline, through really committing to it, you know, I have this ridiculous wall of metals in my office to remind me of just how crazy I am. But I don't put that off to, I, I put that really as a reminder to myself of what really giving yourself in to that discipline does for you. You know, I have a, I have a scriptural quote right on top of it. Not a script. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, I do not run aimlessly. Yeah. And then one of the, one of the little metal holders is uh, always earned, never given. Yeah, and those are just little simple reminders to myself that in the spiritual life, you know, I'm not going to get there overnight. You know, it's going to take training. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take giving up a lot. You know, it's going to take pain. It's going to take suffering. And but really giving giving myself into that, you know, allowing allowing myself to be open to all right. What is this? What does this week of training have for me? You know, how much stronger am I going to get because of it? You know, to translate that to the spiritual life. What is this week of suffering, you know, without coffee or suffering without X, Y, Z, you know, without this thing that I thought I was, that I needed so much. All right, now I'm two weeks in and I'm surviving. All right, so what is that? What is that? What is God trying to tell me through that? And what does he have in store for me next? Yeah. And so put a ball on this. We we know what's to come. We know the glory it is to come, but we have to endure the discipline of Lent to get there. So, are you accomplishing your goals, or maybe God is con pulling you in a different direction? Listen, that's what discernment is. That's what the spiritual life is. 
It's not a straight line by any means. And so if God is calling to something else, embrace it. You know, there, there, the, like God may have thrown you a curveball <laughs> during Lent. Hey, welcome to the big leagues. Okay. Yeah, and, and the flip side to that, Father, because there is there is the the, upper, the the chance that maybe we gave up something that was a little too hard. Or a little too easy. Right. No, but, but I'm saying yeah. if it was too easy, then yeah, we can go deeper. But yeah. the flip side of that is maybe we shot for the moon and we said, oh, no, this is way too hard. So instead of just giving up hope entirely, all right, then scale it back a bit. You know, do something a little bit easier for a week and, and then build back up to that because that's part of that discipline. You know, that's part of that, that challenge that God calls us to. We're not going to hit the, we're not going to hit the end goal on day one. Nope. You know, so yes, we want to shoot, we want to aim high, but. Not try just 40 days. But we can, you know, scale it back a bit and then build up. So the main thing I think we could take from this, as we leave the glory of Mount Tabor and go back down with Jesus and the three disciples into the real world, is are you being challenged this Lent? If the answer is no, then you're really doing Lent wrong. Okay? And we need to, it's not to say that we need to be suffering, that we need to be mortifying ourselves, that, you know, it's just, that, you know, are we adding extra prayer to our lives? Are we growing in the faith? Are we growing in our spiritual life? That's what Lent is all about. That's why it is discipline, as Jorge was saying. It is something that, you know, we have to carry the cross. It was one of the first things we talked about, one of the first readings of this Lenten season. Take up your cross daily and follow me. So, as we leave the glory, treasure the glory, treasure those moments that we have with the Lord, and learn from them, realize, wait, you know, I want more of that. And that's right. God wants us to give give us more of that. But to get more of that, just like, you know, Hori said, how, you know, I'm I doubt that one day when he was in freshman in high school said I'm going to have a wall full of medals one day. You know, he's like, but nope. <laughs> but you know, if we want the glory, we realize we need to put the work in it because as the holder says, it is earned, it is not given. We have to earn it. We have to work towards it. And it is difficult. It's you know, it's the heart to quote another word, it's the heart that makes it good. So are you challenging yourself? So that you be that so you can be able to experience the greater glory that is to come on the morning of the resurrection. Yes, yes, the you, the you, the you, the you, baby, the you, baby, yeah. Whoa, whoa. We need a running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but just... No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? All right. No notes for the sports segment. I have this, no notes. This week. No notes for the sports segment. <laughs> the Marlins lost. There you go. Sports segment's over. We've won one game <laughs> in what, eight or nine games of spring training. And is there any hope? Is Once, there any what are we, one, seven, and one? Something like that. Did we tie a game? We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did against Washington. Uh, I tweeted about it on Saturdays. Like, I watched them get shelled by the Mets. And this is not like, okay, the AAA guys or AA guys playing at the end of the game. This is starters versus starters at the beginning of the game. And I'm like, well, what's going on out there? Well, we have four second basemen. I, and that's a problem. Our our best fielding second baseman is playing third. Our second best fielding second baseman is playing center field. Mm-hmm. Our third best fielding second baseman is playing shortstop. Playing shortstop. I don't know, but it's something like that. <laughs> and our worst fielding second baseman is playing shortstop, second base. I mean, second. Yes. Yeah, Go figure. Base. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. I, I I saw somebody tweet out. It's not that hard. Saying this is where everybody should be positioned. Like, for example, you have Brian De La Cruz and Jesus Sanchez battling out for that fourth in- outfield spot. And like just, it's very simple. Just put De La Cruz in center field where mm-hmm. he excels and is defensive, and he's a good de- defensive glove out there. Move everybody around and put Cooper as a DH every day. Mm-hmm. 
and then move. Arise can play first base. Segura, I, mean, I don't know if Segura can, but and I'm sure that Jazz could pick up first base a lot easier. They could pick up center field. Now I have faith in Jazz. I just don't have faith in his bosses. Yeah. Like when you have, and, and this was my point that I made on Saturday. If you have pretty much half your lineup playing out of position, you're going to run into trouble. Yep. And this is, I know it's just spring training and okay, you're mixing and matching, experimenting, but don't we have enough to deal with, with the pitch clock and how to figure that out? And we, I know we, we, we yep. ranted about it last week. Yep. And our offense is still MIA. Mm. Again, I know we're playing spring. a bunch of, but yeah, but, but you'd, you'd expect to see you have some, some production. You want some signs of life. And, and I don't know, I, I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I don't know how many of them are leaving this week for the World Baseball Classic. A lot. Well, so, yeah. I mean, thankfully you have Sandy. We thankfully have good pitching. But it's like, and I don't know why, you know, and baseball is one of those things you turn it on and while you're doing something, I have it on in the background. Yeah. I don't know why I've, I've watched a lot more than I usually do spring trading because because of the curiosity of how people are doing, dealing with the pitch clock, excuse me, the pitch timer, Rob Manfred wants us to call it. So we're very obedient to Rob Manfred on this podcast. <sighs> but so I, I mean, curious about that, curious about how people are doing with the shifts. Like the other day, you say, okay, you can't do the shift anymore. Yeah. So you had two two people on one side of the of second base, two people on the other side. Great. And they brought the entire outfield to one side. No, they. So what they did was they took the left fielder and they put yep. him in short right. And who did that? Alex Cora of the Red Sox. Yep. Stupid Red Sox. <laughs> I could. Oh, that, the rule is uh, subject to change at moments' notice. Yeah, so. because man, but it. You know, people are like, "Why are you rag on the mic?" Because we were talking about baseball briefly in the first segment, and. Is our love for it, and it, and it and it's so spiritual and so pastoral, yep. and, and it's all these things, and ah, oh, goodness. goodness. Yeah, the, my my beef this week is the the pitchers who are now uh, kind of wandering around the mound till the last second, so that the batter doesn't get into the box. So they wait till it's about ten seconds left to engage on the rubber. So by that point, the batter's now stepping into the box. So it's eight seconds left, and that's an automatic strike. Interesting. No, but all those things. It's so annoying. No, but the thing is that. Because you know what? It happened on this, to this one guy on back-to-back pitches, and he ended up striking out. <laughs> I not, mean, yes, he should know better. Like, just get in the box and, and be ready. But the one who did it right was Wandy Peraza last year for the Yankees. On. You saw that. I showed it to you. <laughs> Wandy Peraza, the Yankees, literally quick-pitched three times yeah. to the batter. Uh, he was facing the Pirates. And in, literally in 20 seconds, yeah. through three pitches, all of them for strikes. Got the ball, threw it immediately. Got the ball, threw it immediately, and was like, and and he didn't disengage the rubber. He, did, you know, yep. the batter didn't leave the batter's box. The yep. batter didn't call time. Yep. He was out in three yep. in twenty seconds. I'm like, yeah, see, but there there's a problem when baseball feels rushed. Uh, yeah, it's like yes, there's a fine line. You know, you want to move the game along, but but the flip side of that, you don't want it to feel rushed because that's not baseball. mm Hmm. You know, baseball supposed to just be let's go out and and have a good time and and there, you you don't want that anxiety of oh does he, I have to I have to get in the box I have to get in the box I have to, I have to warm I have to wind up you know to, to have it feel yeah you rushed, were saying it from the beginning that, that just, clock is feels, making you anxious it feels unnatural no and then uh, seeing a clock on your screen whether it be on the, you yep. know whether it be on the stadium but re- now it's superimposed on the score graphic yep you're like Man, no, man. I'm not watching. I'm getting. I mean, again, I said it last week. I'm getting flashbacks to the Dolphins' last playoff game, of of McDaniel not getting the, the you know, not calling the play in time, and in, in, in the quarterback Skyler not getting the playoff in time. I'm like, the, there's some because I've watched several broadcasts. Some people are not doing that. Some people like ESPN is putting it on yeah. the screen. Uh, Valley Sports and. For however long left we have, them. yeah, Valley Sports. But I'm like, thank God we had our home ba- broadcast team do a home broadcast. I mean, how about that? That's a novel idea. Having Tommy Hutton and you know, by the way, how about they they got out there and they were, and listen, we love Tommy Hutton, we do, and 
they did their they did their spot at the, as they do at the beginning of every game, and this is their first home game in the first, you know first home team broadcast. So they're going everything that happened in the off season and the new faces in different places and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and everything we've griped about, you know what people out of position, you know people doing this, people doing that, that we uh, this signing, that signing, yep. or this. They were like, "Oh no, Jazz! He didn't send fear, and he's gonna excel in that." And I'm like, "And and I know we got we brought in loser, right? Doing a bat, yes, he's gonna be a good bat. Haven't seen it yet, but yep. everything was like, yeah, positive, 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 positive. It's That's the we, eternal hope of spring. No, it, it is, and we're being a little pessimistic. We just and, we need the first Tommy rant of the regular season. I think we've been doing that, <laughs> but no, we need Tommy to rant. Oh, we need no. But I'm saying we're doing it for him. So, uh, but. We'll, we'll, you know, just spring it. And, and opening day is three weeks from Thursday. So hopefully, yeah. by, but I don't see signs of opening day. And I of, got tickets. Yes, you did. I'm going to suffer through that. All right. Now watch. We're saying all of this and watch them sweep the Mets yeah. in opening weekend. All right. <laughs> no, com- it. no complaints here if that happens. Scurzer, uh, Verlander, and, and uh, no, yeah, DeGrom's not there. But against that lineup, yeesh, that's a good team. That's, that's teams well put together. They really are. Uh, basketball. We had a great weekend in basketball in this town. Belen won a championship. Columbus won a championship. News you were to totally. Did you did not know. Oh, you were in Tallahassee. That's right. Belen won a state championship. Nice. Never won a state championship in basketball. Columbus won a state championship. I remember when Columbus was like not very good in basketball, all about football. And UM won. That one I did know about. That, you know, they rushed the court. Yep. They run. Why is it a share? I was at, talking about this with Father Andrew. Why is it a share of the of the. Regular season tied. I know we have the same record, but we beat Virginia head to head. Why is it a share? And we were the number one seed in the AC tournament. Why is it a share? I'm just saying. We rush the court. We get to hang a banner in the Watsco Center. Yep. And Lenardi, Lenardi still has us as a get, five. Now seed. we get two weeks off. No, two games off. I mean. Two games. Two off. games off. But Lenardi still has us as a five seed. Selection Sunday is this coming. Did Sunday. he update it already? I, uh, yes, I saw it last night uh, before I went to bed, and he has it at five. Uh, he has it at five seed. So, uh. I mean, I could change depending on and how the thing is that they say it that, that the, the committee does not really pay attention that much to that's what they say to what happens. Sorry, to what happens in uh, the conference tournaments. Uh, but we'll see this. A lot of people and I mentioned this last year. A lot of people say that this week is better than March Madness than, really? than the tournament because you have more games going on. You have think about it. Yeah, you have. Uh, ACC Big East, the first round start tomorrow. But let's say Wednesday or Thursday, you have all. Let's just talk about the Power Five conferences: SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, Big Twelve. All have games going on at the same time, all day. More games than are going to be played on the first Thursday of the tournament, and it's just like basketball nonstop. Now we have such a busy week that we may not see any of those games. Games play on Thursday at noon. Against TBA, but I hear I hear they have a very good team. TBA, you know, uh, but we're not going to. I don't know if we'll be able to see that. Maybe we will. To twelve o'clock at least. Lunch throw it, on, throw it no, on it's, the it's, background. It's lunch hour. We, we may get around to it. So I like. I mean, I like their chances. Uh, there was four experts that that did uh, predictions for the AC tournament. Two of them pick UM. Two of them pick Duke because obviously you have to pick Duke. Ugh. They didn't did, have a great year. Did you see Duke and North Carolina got ESPN billing while uh, Pitt Miami for the championship got relegated to ACC Network? I don't get that. I mean, yes. Now, I, I granted, okay, in terms of money, yes, Pitt and UNC, regardless of where they're ranked, always will draw more eyeballs. Okay? Yeah, but you're talking about a but, uh, but conference it, give championship us, Give us ESPN2 or yeah. ESPNU at least, but yep. it ain't... The the conference championship was going to be decided in that in that game. game. Yep. Whatever. We have it. Well, for we our for our loyal listeners who have stuck around this long, you know, we did we did pick them for the NFL. Yeah. So we have our March Madness bracket coming up. Let us know if you want to be part of it. Yeah. We we do it with the staff, but you know, if if you've stuck around for fifty minutes and survived us griping about and, and we're not done yet. I, I have I have I have a curveball to throw at Jorge. <laughs> Before, then we can we can done. send you the we can send you the link and, and you can get in on the. There was something else sports related fun. that I wanted to mention, dude. I forgot what it is now. Oh no, you're talking about the Heat. You know, everybody else is having great basketball. You know, you know times and you know with UM with Blend with Columbus and the Heat. Oh, goodness, we're going on we're going on Friday the game with the school and they they they've been awful, 
awful. And they lose a heartbreaker to the Knicks, who are playing very well. And I cannot live in a world where the Knicks are better than the Heat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. Can't happen. Nope. But we, they showed, and John Randall just went off on Friday yep. night. My goodness. Uh, so usually on this episode, even though we've only done it one year, uh, we would have an Oscar preview uh, because the Oscars are this coming Sunday. And usually I'd have somebody who knows things um, about, you know, movies and has watched them with me. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> has watched them with me, uh, would be on with me. and we, Someone who uh, knows things, yeah, period. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and we would insert that sound bite or that, that, that uh, segment here. But uh, the person who would do it with me uh, gave up. And so did I, because what was nominated for Best Pictures this year was, I mean, I mean, just bad. So I have a little game I'm going to play with Jorge, who has seen nothing of the movies and hasn't even looked at anything remotely Oscars. Nope. And I'm going to just throw I things at him. I couldn't the first thing. All right, so I'm just going to throw things at him. I'm going to throw movie titles at him. And I say, which of these two was nominated for an Oscar? Which of these two All right. titles? Okay, ready? This is going to be an epic fail here. Okay, here we, we go. go. The Silence of Women or Women Talking. Which of those two was nominated for an Oscar? Let's go with Women Talking. What did you say? Women Talking. I think it's a little louder. No, The Silence of Women was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, for one. Here we go. Here we go. Tar or The Conductor? The conductor. All right, over two. <laughs> Tar is about a conductor <laughs> named Lydia Tar, which I was going to see, but it's two and a half hours long. I said, "Nope." I mean, this one you probably will get. No, just keep the don't. He's scrolling back and forth between, between the buttons. Just keep it on the <laughs> on the on the thing. <laughs> the Perlmans or the Fablemans? The Fablemans. All right. Yeah. You got one. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Okay. The Banshees of Inserin or the Silence of Killarney? Let's go with the Banshees. Yeah. All right. We're 500 again. Triangle of Sadness or Pyramids of Grief? Did you write these up? I did. <laughs> I had two minutes to spare in the office before we went on. And I go, let me just do this for fun. <laughs> Let's go Pyramids. Pyramids of... Ah, uh, no, triangle of sadness. All right. Yeah. So I had only five. So you went, you went, you went two for three. <laughs> I mean, two for five. Um, so yes. Wow. I, Silence I of women. Of any of that? Tar, the Fablemans, the Banshees of Inserin, and Triangle of Sadness. Of those five films, there's by the I way, there's ten I haven't films. Haven't heard of any of them. Okay. Of those five, there's ten films nominated for Oscars. Of those five films, I've only seen one of them. Actually, no. I'm, I, I take that back. I've seen two of them. I saw the Fablemans and I saw the Banshees of Inserin. The one that broke me, the other two are Elvis, which is on HBO. I mean, it's more of a popular movie. Yep. And so, Father, how come you see I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick? Because I haven't seen, for whatever reason, I never got around to seeing Top Gun. No way. Could not. And you know what? Now it's like a def, an act of defiance. <laughs> I really don't want to see it. You know, well, I'm not going to make my sister mad. I, I'm sorry, he, Gina. No, and I don't mind Tom Cruise. I think, I mean, for example, I didn't. See, the first Tom Cruise movie I ever saw, you know, because in the eighties, you know, uh, no, probably you know he was, he was in um, The Outsiders. You probably saw that in class when you were reading the book. Uh, but you know, Risky Business and Cocktail and Days of Thunder and 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 uh, uh, I'm thinking I'm forgetting the name of uh, the one he did with Dustin Hoffman for some reason. I don't know why, but didn't see any of those movies in the eighties and didn't see Top Gun. Oh, okay. And the first movie that I literally saw in the movie theaters of, of, of Tom Cruise was uh, A Few Good Men. You Can't Handle the Truth. Yep. And he was excellent in it. And every movie he made after Mission Impossible I mm. saw and like him as, you know, made a little crazy, but good actor. Should should have an Oscar by now. But, you know, I think, you know, should have gotten Oscars for, for other movies, but whatever. So, yes. So there were five movies of the 10 that I saw. I told you Banshees of Insurance, Fablemans, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Which I heard was... Very good. Elvis, and I'm, I'm blanking out on the other one. Okay, but um, here's here's a problem that I have, and that's, this is why I gave up. Okay, 
The last one I saw because it was on HBO Max was The Banshees of Instrument. It's an Irish film. You know, takes place on a fictional town, fictional island off the coast. Why you have to make up, you know, fictional islands in Ireland when there's so many beautiful islands in Ireland? And the movie, yes, they show beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, Irish countrysides. Um, and it was great. And it's about two best friends who every day at two o'clock say, hey, let's go to the pub. Sounds like Jorge and I. I'm, he's going to Duffy's. No, I'm kidding. We don't do that every day. If only. Ooh, uh, Duffy's. Duffy's burgers. Right, right, right now. now. Okay. So, um, but I said, no, I, I, I saw this movie because it was two friends. And then all of a sudden, open the movie. One of them says to the other, I'm not your friend anymore. I want to talk to you. So you're like, okay, what's the genesis of this? This looks like a good story. Two hours of my life go by. And some very harsh things are done for this friend to get, uh, you know, get through the head of the other friend. I'm not your friend anymore. Uh, fingers may have been cut off. Let's just oh. leave it at that. Okay. And I'm like, and I don't think some people say it was resolved. I don't think it was resolved. <laughs> and that's when I said, I'm done. I'm done. No, don't want to. Don't want to see it. Don't want to see any more pictures. And I'm tired of it. Just tired of it. I'm like it, it was just just garbage that was that was you know everything everywhere all at once you haven't seen it no I don't think you'll like it because it's very trippy and mm. and I'm trying to think did I talk myself into liking this film because I really liked uh because I really liked the uh the the actors in the movie mm. it, uh, you know pretty much an all an all Asian cast uh but uh did I you know and it was Magnificent, and listen, it was and it, and it was magnificently acted. But did I talk myself because it's no. very, very trippy, mm. and it's two and a half hours long, and you could say it's it's a story about a mother a daughter relationship. And actually, not only that, it's a family really, it's a family dynamic. But did I talk myself into liking it, even though it's a multiverse movie and there's hot dog fingers involved? I said that right. There's hot dog fingers involved, and other things that I cannot talk about. On a religious podcast, that I talk myself into. At some point, you're gonna come across it and say, "Ah, oh, let's watch it." Just, and you're gonna say, "What in the world was Father yeah. thinking?" And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Did I talk myself into liking? Because the Fablemans, which was done by Steven Spielberg, yeah. very, very good film about you know he a fictionalized version of his upbringing and his love of, and how he came to love cinema. But Michelle Williams was horrible in that film and ruined the movie for me. Mm. She was annoying, which, by the way, leads me to my last question that I have for you. Well, there's more. Okay. There, there's one, just one more. Okay. Which of the following actors is not nominated for an Academy Award this year? Angela Bassett from Stella Got Her Groove Back, Brendan Fraser from The Mummy, Tom Hanks, obviously from Forrest Gump and every other great film, the kid from Indiana Jones or the screaming lady from Halloween? Want to hear that again? Which of these was not was not, not who? Which of these actors is not nominated for an Oscar? I know it's not Brendan Fraser. Which it was not nominated for an act for Academy Award. Angela Bassett, Brendan Fraser, Tom Hanks, the kid from Indiana Jones, or the the screaming lady from Halloween was not nominated for an Academy Awards. Let's go with Tom Hanks. Was not nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Well, you got it right. All right. There you go. And I thought that was like, and I threw that in there, like, that's the one that's going to trip him up. No, like, what, did he do anything this year? We did. He did, uh, he was uh, Elvis's uh, manager in uh, in the Elvis movie, and he also did uh, a Pinocchio movie, and he was also in The Man Called Otto, which was not nominated for anything. But I know Brendan Fraser was nominated for, uh, for, the, for The Whale. For The Whale. Angela Bass is nominated for Wakanda Forever. The kid from Indiana Jones was excellent. and worked in forty years in a long next, uh, yeah, probably for almost almost forty years. Wow! And was nominated for everything, every all at once, and is going to win the the best. And he has a great story. I mean, is any other link? Uh, just a great story nice. of perseverance. And the screaming lady from Halloween. You know who she is? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, <laughs> so wait, wait, she is she? She won the SAG. Yeah, she's nominated, and she was interesting in, in that movie. So I was like, I gave up. I don't want to watch any. And also. The Banshees of Instrument was the only movie of the 10 movies that is less than two hours long. Oh, well. 
Everything else is. I'm like, I don't have time. Avatar Way of Water. Nope. Don't want to spend three hours and fifteen minutes. Yo, it was so good though. You saw it? We did. We had we had three hours to kill in Tallahassee. So we oh, so to, you went to see it? Yeah. So you saw a movie that you saw I an Oscar nominated movie. There you go. You saw an Oscar nominated movie that I haven't seen. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa! I don't like. I can't turn this on because it's it's gonna. Uh, no, it was really good. good. Is it? Really? I mean, it's it's a visual spectacle. Yeah, that's what it's I'm saying. Just, it's three hours of just like and just the creativity to come up with these worlds. This, you know, Angie, Angie's been a huge fan of the original Avatar. Really? Yeah, it's a good. It's a nice story. I I thought it was a good visual spectacle. I, I I like. Oh, let's return to Pandora. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I enjoyed it. You know, it didn't. It didn't feel like three hours. And can I say something heretical? <gasps> I thought the second Black Panther was better than the first Black Panther. I haven't seen the second one. Have I seen the? It's second on one? Disney Plus. Wakanda Forever. I don't think I've seen it yet. Spoiler alert! You know, you know the guy that plays Black Panther is dead. Died. Yeah, no, I knew that, but. Didn't like I I, I I no it's not that I didn't like the first Black Panther I, I finally thought, saw Thor Love and Thunder uh, that was not I'm good. a little I'm a little delayed on my yeah no that was not good I saw that in the movie theater with with your assistant and and uh, Nick and you know but now yeah, it was it had it tried to be too funny hmm. it it tried to be and no but it, going back to the Marvel verse it, it's like uh, I always said that that the first Black Panther was a little overrated it was. It, Decent movie, but not as good as say Captain America. The, right. the three Captain Americas right. were, were excellent. Uh, not obviously Avengers, but black, but it was the one nominated for an Oscar. I mean, I understand the cultural significance of it, but I thought overrated. Sorry, but uh, I don't so, know. So you want to go back to five nominees for Best Picture? I think oh, I missed those days. That was I, that was I. I mean, I, I missed those days because I, I would watch. And the thing is that. The thing is, they went to 10, and rarely do they go to 10, but it's 10 in, in a year where there's mm-hmm. garbage. And I'm just over it. I mean, predictions of everything, every, everything, everywhere, all at once will win the best picture. Uh, the kid from Man Jones, Kiwan, Kiwan, Khan. I, I'm messing up. It's, I'm sorry. This is why you just stuck with the kid from Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly. The kid from Indiana Jones. No, I, I had his name <laughs> written on the screen when I typed this up. The kid for me, which for your benefit, um, he'll win Best Supporting Actor. Angela Bassett will win Best Best Supporting Actress. The two ones that are unknown are Best Actress and Best Actor. If I were to choose Best Actor, would probably be Brendan Fraser, but wouldn't be surprised if uh, the guy from Elvis wins wins it. And then ah, it's 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 a tough one for Best Actress. Michelle Williams, if she wins, I will lose it, ruin that movie, ruin, 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 ruin. Michelle Yao should win it for for everything, everywhere, all at once. She was extraordinary, and also uh, Stephanie Hsu, who was in that movie, who was from the Marvelous was amazing, and also co-starred with the girl that I started podcast with uh, in a movie. Oh, nice. uh, she was excellent in in that movie, and she's also excellent in everything she's done. So, uh, there's our Oscar preview. Not much of an Oscar preview, just more a- Oscar ranting and testing George's <laughs> knowledge on on uh, things. So, I'm gonna be in trouble with Gina because I haven't seen Talcum Maverick. Why was that nominated well, for the, Because Award? you haven't seen Top Gun, period. Period, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll get around to it. Maybe. Who knows? I thought I was going to get around to it, you know, so I could watch Top Gun Maverick does it, to knock off yeah. one of the movies, and I'm like, no. No, didn't see The Whale. Uh, know the storyline. I have enough idea with enough depressed people in my life that come to, for counseling. I don't need to see it on the screen. I want to be uplifted. And that's why I was so happy when Coda won last year because oh, such an uplift, such an uplifting film. Yep. You know, but... Don't need to be. I don't need to be depressed when I, you know. Yeah, and listen, and then yes, I know that's part of the the medium. I want to finish with one final thought, especially a movie. Uh, our good friends J.D. Flynn and Ed Condon from the Pillar, doing again doing incredible work on in Catholic journalism. But sometimes they they throw these things on, uh, it's like throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks on Twitter just to see what people react to it. Last night they did something with TLM that was like woo. Going down a rabbit hole. Or I saw the thread. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So, uh, and it was very good. I th- I liked his conclusion. Um, but <laughs> JD, I think he wanted. To, he was bored in the office and wanted to stir things up. He goes, "Priests that reference movies during homilies go, like wanting." Uh, did you go down that thread? I I I sent it to you. No, I saw that. Oh, you had seen it before. I'd seen All it right. before you. I mean, but I did you made, send it to you. And I went down, and I'm like. 
I'm not going to say every homily I do. I met, but pretty much you go through every podcast. I re- reference. I do it in the first segment. But I've been like art, whether it be music, mm-hmm. movies, TV. I mean, I referenced Andy Bernard in the first segment of poetry. Yep. It's modern day par- parables. At least this homilist opinion. Yep. You know the titular. Well, there was par- an important clarification that someone else tweeted back to, mm-hmm. which I also sent to you. I said, "Are, are you use Are you preaching about the movie, or are you using the movie to yes, highlight a point remember. exactly within the gospel, right, or of the of the message because, or the theme?" Yeah, and 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 that's a distinction yep. that I use. You know, now it can get me. No, <laughs> it could take me a while to get to the point. <laughs> As, you know, as we approach the one hour, five minute mark, but, but that was a, a pretty interesting thing. And I, I think that because it's, you know, you always want to ground the homily and yes, what, what JD's, what JD's point was, you have so much rich biblical text right. and you, and we need to instruct the people on that text, For but sure. sometimes it'll oh, you got to make rich it real too. text. I go, this is not, in, not dissimilar to what happens in this movie mm-hmm. or in this TV show sure. or in this song. Or in this, you know, book, you know, how many times has Shakespeare been referenced in a homily or, yeah. or, or a text from a great theologian? I mean, okay, if he's saying, oh, don't t- preach about anything, it's not the Bible, so I'm not, I can't preach on an encyclical. Yep. I'm not saying that I was J.D.'s point. I'm just right. saying, just saying. But Oscar Sunday, I don't know if I'll watch it. We'll see. I said I was going to watch the SAG Award two weeks ago when I did. Well, the last three quarters of it. I but, can't tell you the last time I watched an award show. Period. Yeah, it's so it's a waste of time. So, anyhow, and obviously last year, I mean, I I said to Father Andrew last night, if they really wanted eyeballs for the Oscar this year, Jimmy Kimmel's going to host. But and I was going to one of the questions I was going to throw at you, but oh. I didn't. But uh, if they really wanted to add eyeballs, who would you have hosting this year? He was a prominent part of last year's Oscar. Chris Rock. Exactly. <laughs> I mean that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And we'll leave it on that note. We'll leave it on that note. So (laughs) challenge. Are you being challenged this Lenten season? And um, I wish I could tell you, go watch one of these films. But But if I tell you, (laughs) said, Father, why would you tell me to watch this movie? Is it a good Lenten sacrifice? No, I mean, uh, no, no, not even a good. It's not. What I'm trying to do is try to finish The Chosen, which I have not finished, which is like everybody's finished it except for the priest. So I'm trying to do that, which is something uplifting and something worth you know you know hollywood being put to its great use by you know bringing our lord to the to the screen so um challenge yourself treasure those little moments treasure those moments of glory just like peter james and john did on mount Tabor. and i'll be with you tomorrow morning bright and early for the next daily lenten meditation which i'll probably record sometime in the next half hour god bless you all